following podcast was recorded on Monday, February 22nd, 2021, featuring Ben Breitholtz of Arbor Data Science. To hear the podcast in real time, you can sign up for a free trial at arborresearch.com or by emailing Gus Handler directly at gus.handler at arborresearch.com. You can also call Arbor Research and Trading at 1-800-606-1872. Thanks for your time and enjoy the podcast. Good morning and welcome to Talking Data. We hope your week is off to a great start. Today I'm joined by Ben Breitholtz of Arbor Data Science and we will be discussing the latest on inflation. Ben, we keep hearing in the news, inflation is coming. It's picked up a lot of speed. What is the latest? Well, the latest is it feels like everybody's somewhat capitulated. So if you just go ahead and scroll through your Bloomberg stories, Wall Street Journal, wherever it is, you're going to see the topic of real yields starting to rise, inflation expectations widening. And this is really something that's ubiquitous and happening across the globe. And the run in commodity prices are certainly helping. And the prospect of additional stimulus here is certainly helping uh, as well. So what we've done is we looked at the news trends historically, really on like a rolling one-year basis. And we found that financial media is talking about hot inflation or rising inflation, almost five to one ratio relative to falling inflation. This is the strongest, most fervent news trends on inflation since April 2006. So we have this financial media, you know, jumping onto it. And this is something that investors had already jumped onto really uh, beginning somewhere around the middle of 2020 as the pandemic began to somewhat show signs of being controlled, or at least, you know, investors were getting optimistic on the prospect of vaccines and so on. And we can measure that by looking at ETF flows. So looking at roughly six asset classes that have a high degree of um, you know, infra inflation friendliness, uh, they have gained almost $35 billion in rolling three-month inflows, uh, which is tremendous and really the most on record. Tips alone uh, have been gaining about $7.5 billion uh, every three months. Commodities are starting to see a nice push in the agricultural space, especially, as well as industrial metals, and then companies in the industrials and materials space. So this is something that is that is getting to eye-popping levels, even if it seems like 30, 30 35 billion isn't large, and in ETF space, um, it certainly is. And that's changed quite a bit since we last had our podcast focusing just on inflation. Um, you know, the news media, greater coverage of it. Um, so let's go next into really what's what's driving this. Yeah, so what's driving it now in terms of markets is the, the markets are getting this the sniff of an inflation premium. And so that's what we can debate. Is there really an inflation premium that's present? And we'll talk about that in a second or not. But what it is kind of filtering into is Fed decision making and really how investors think the Fed will operate over the next one, two, three plus years. And swaption volatility is one of our favorite measures of you know, of volatility expectations and that really the premiums needed by investors to hold these positions. And what we're seeing is the expectation of volatility is rising appreciably, especially looking out two, three, four, five years at two year rates. So yes, we're looking really short end of the curve, which hasn't been volatile at all. As you can see with the swaps and volatilities here, this has become pretty much a lifeless market. But looking three, four, five years out at two year rates and the volatility expectations, now we have investors sucking away really the, the volatility dampening impact of the Federal Reserve. So that's almost completely evaporated, meaning from when they began that uh, around the pandemic itself. 
So that's helped propel um, now this uh, kind of regenerated this fear of inflation. And again, has put all eyes on tips break, tips break evens. And one thing that's got us somewhat concerned is that if you look at five-year tips break evens, for example, it's nothing but a straight up line. Uh, so, and I get concerned, I'm sure we all get concerned um, and when we see something just going up incrementally every day without any kind of uh, drawdown. And that's five-year tips break evens. The sharp ratio on a rolling three-month basis is a whopping 10 to one, uh, something you just haven't seen historically and something that is, um, again, eye-popping and concerning. Is this really inflation coming back? Why does this look so stable? Um, is there something that can explain that, Kristen? And the Fed has played a very large role um, with, within the TIPS market. So could you expand on what, what would we look like without the Fed? See, this is a great question. This gets back to, this is getting to what I was just saying. So the tips break even market has a large player in it and it's become just humongous. So the Federal Reserve during their, um, their swooping in during the pandemic and, and purchasing of treasuries, MBS, tips uh, became just dominant, a dominant force. So we have a chart that shows the Federal Reserve was holding about 10% of tips outstanding. Uh, this is back to really January or February of 2020, and this is rocketed higher to almost 25% uh, through this past week. So this means in a very short period of time, the, the Fed has become just a tremendous holder of tips. And this is also when the issuance of tips is actually somewhat slowed. Um, and so we have this problem now, almost this squeeze that's occurring within the tips market. You know, a specific issue by issue basis, they are near their 70% threshold. They're so, they can only hold up to 70% of, of individual issues based on their you know, guidelines or rules. And many issues further out the curve, typically looking five plus years, are nearing this, this essentially 70% uh, ownership level. Uh, so they are, again, a big component. And one thing we've been able to do is input this into a model. So what's the Fed's ownership of TIPS? And let's include that along with good measures of liquidity risk, which we're using B of A's Global Liquidity Risk Index. Let's combine some of the CPI measures, flexible and sticky. Let's, how about industrial commodities and crude oil? How can we break down the year-over-year -year changes in 10-year tips break-evens? And what we find is that the tips purchases by the Federal Reserve have added about 30 basis points to 10-year tips break-evens on that year-over-year -year change basis. And that is dwarfing really any and all other categories, be it crude oil, the industrial commodities, flexible, sticky CPI, um, and so on. So what that means is that tips break evens without the Fed purchases likely wouldn't be as stable and they likely wouldn't be as wide. So this is getting a little bit wonky, but if we were to remove that liquidity premium, uh, the dampening liquidity premium of Fed purchases, we would end up seeing two-year on out to 30-year TIPS break-evens residing somewhere all around 190 to maybe 195 basis points. So we have a chart, top shows where two-year and 10-year TIPS break-evens are, this is as of last week, you know, right around 220 to 260 uh, for each of those, but we removed those liquidity premiums, now we're right around 190, 195 basis points, uh, implying that liquidity premium uh, is a major driver of the stability and the low volatility seen in, in TIS break-evens and also potentially a healthy amount of their widening. Well, let's move next into commodities. You've got the chart here in front of us. They're definitely roaring higher. Um, how long will this rally last? Will it be short-lived? 
Um, so what are your thoughts on that? See, that's the big question. So we have, we had China come online. There was a huge grab for scraps and that was evidenced in, an, in a, a, really a catapulting of the raw industrial metals indices that we track, you track, um, and, and as well as now grains, the grab for grains. So we have this manufacturing in China got back online. Now everyone else is trying to play catch up, catch up in the US and Europe. We need to do inventory rebuilding. And so it makes sense commodities are, are, you know, are rallying. Uh, right now we have about 82% of them across the globe if we take out energy um, and precious metals. And that is something that is, is a hot number, meaning that we typically don't last that long above 80% meaning that the Fed's favorite transitory term is usually correct. So we get these bursts in commodity prices and eventually they kind of, um, you know, they retreat. Uh, so what we would need to see for commodities really become a problem is to buck this trend and actually endure these rallies for much longer than, they, than they've already done. So I am one uh, that somewhat believes in the mean reversion that occurs within this commodity space. It's hard to see this commodity super cycle coming. And if that's the case, that means this transitory power of you know, inflationary power of rising commodities would abate as inventories are rebuilt, the economy gets back to somewhat normal. Um, now there's a lot of time between now and when the vaccine's real impact on the return to services and so on occurs. Yes, we could have some, some nice sized inflation prints, but beyond that, looking two, three, four, five years down the road, um, you know, I think that becomes more called into question. Now, over the short term, what I think has happened is we've seen treasury volatility now heat up and it's playing catch up to the commodity space. And so if you look at three month implied volatility for all commodities, there's a chart here as a blue line. And then we have this yellow line of swaps and volatility. Just think of this implied volatility. This is a three month expiry, 30 year tenure. And you see this tremendous gap that really has occurred over the recent months. Um, if we look at the ratio between the two of them, we have incredibly low implied volatility along treasuries, but then incredibly high volatility across commodities. That's now starting to correct itself. We're seeing convergence, the convergence we expect. So that means treasury volatility will likely remain high as this inflation story remains confusing. We have base effects that will be hitting uh, very, very shortly. And let's move over next. Um, let's talk more about those tips, break-evens versus risk assets. Sure. So what we can do here is, and many of you have tracked this quite well because we get lots of questions about it, is let's let's just take only risk assets. Let's take like the, you know, the equity market, copper, crude oil, implied volatility, materials, the dollar, and so on, and say based on history of where these assets are going, how strong they've been, where should the 10-year tips break even reside? And we started producing out of sample results somewhere in March or April of last year. And that fair value has always been much, much higher than actual TIPS break evens. And right now that's somewhere around, you know, it's been kind of bumping between 230, 240 basis points. And it's proved pretty much correct um, in terms of under, uh, believing that TIPS break evens would rally to that level. But this is now kind of that level, that 230, 234 zone for 10 year TIPS break evens is kind of fair value for risk assets. That means that if we push above that and widen through it, just break evens are hot and they're maybe too hot to handle relative to risk assets. So how much further upside do tips break evens have? It might be somewhat limited unless we really start to see some of these, you know, medium to long-term inflation expectations really start to, you know, start to rise. 
And then finally today, let's our final topic, let's focus in on that CPI. We've talked a lot about the 2% year-over-year range, even 2.5%. Where are we at? So markets have very much priced in 2% headline CPI for the duration, from two years to 30 years out. So there's a chart here showing using inflation swap caps and floors. Think of them as call and put options on headline CPI. And we're pricing in a better than 65% probability over the next two years that we can, in fact, see headline CPI at 2% or above. And that, that continues further up the curve. The big question, though, is can we start to believe as investors that 2.5% headline, headline CPI is a reality? And why 2.5% is so important is because typically core inflation, core CPI, runs about 50 basis points below headline CPI. So to get the Fed concerned, to get investors concerned that we could run hot on inflation for a long period of time, we need to see headline at two and a half, meaning core could get to 2% and stay there. Yes, core inflation is going to go over that with base effects over the next couple of months, but I'm looking past that. I'm thinking looking out two plus years. So this chart to me is probably one of the most critical for all of, all of you invested uh, in tips, break-evens, inflation expectations, and so on. Right now, we have a probability somewhere around 40% that headline CPI can average above 2.5% over the next two to out 30 years. This is some of the best levels. We're up against the best levels we saw in 2017, 2018. We faltered there. And if we don't see us break out of those levels and especially get to 50% probabilities, then we have to be a little bit concerned this right side tail might not show up for inflation expectations. But if it does happen, which it could uh, in the very near term, that's going to be confirming for those that are still long tips break evens or that want to get in on this trade now. Now you have your reason. We're starting to price in that right side tail to confirm the commodities boom, to confirm the supply constraints, the inventory rebuilding, consumers coming back to services, and so on. So Ben, this has been a great discussion today. Do you want to just summarize your final thoughts? Um, and we will try to reconvene over the next week or two uh, with another inflation update to see where we're at. Yeah, big story is just ubiquitous growth and in inflation expectations. One chart we didn't touch on is that 100% of the 14 inflation, 10-year inflation break-evens around across the globe from Australia to the US, all of them are wider over the past three months. That's something that doesn't happen very often. They're wider by almost 40 basis points. Typically, this has been the point of exhaust. Now, this time could prove different. And we kind of outlaid everything that we need to see. We need to see markets priced in the right side tail, you know, two and a half plus percent headline inflation. Uh, we likely need to see the tips break even curve stay inverted. That's something that's very unusual, meaning that the short run inflation expectations are higher than the long run. That implies the Fed is sticking to their AIT framework. Uh, and then I think we need to see these month-over-month -month prints on CPI truly come in you know, at or above long-run averages. So 15, 20 basis points on a month-over-month -month basis has to be there uh, past these base effects and everything else that we've kind of, we're going to go through on the year-over-year -year level uh, to really allow this to keep going. Um, lastly, there's no doubt the Fed has been a huge contributor. Over 70 basis points have been added to two-year tips break-evens due to Fed liquidity dampening, uh, around 30 basis points in the 10-year space. As long as they remain in that game, that will be a, a, a force driving wider tips break-evens. But any inkling that shifts, um, and we're kind of starting to see that with potential for higher real rates, that is going to get sucked out at some point. Uh, so that's something very, you know, uh, certainly worth watching. So yeah, 
we've been incredibly bullish on tips break-evens for some time. I think this is now time to stop and think what markers do we need to see surpassed or met in order for us to keep remaining believers at such a, after such a tremendous performance. Well, thank you for your thoughts today, Ben, and thank you everyone for joining us. Um, if you have any questions or would like to contact us, please contact Gus Handler at gus.handler at arborresearch.com. Have a great day.